Chapter One of Days with Sir Roger de Coverley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Elijah Fisher. Days with Sir Roger de Coverley by Joseph Addison and Richard Steele. Chapter One Sir Roger's Family. Having often received an invitation from my friend Sir Roger de Coverley to pass away a month with him in the country, I last week accompanied him thither, and am settled with him for some time at his country house, where I intend to form several ensuing speculations. Sir Roger, who is very well acquainted with my humour, lets me rise and go to bed when I please, dine at his own table or in my chamber, as I think fit, sit still, and say nothing without bidding me be merry. When the gentlemen of the country come to see him, he only shows me at a distance. As I have been walking in the fields, I have observed them stealing a sight of me over an edge, and have heard the knight desiring them not to let me see them, for that I hated to be stared at. I am the more as in Sir Roger's family, because it consists of sober and staid persons, for as the knight is the best master in the world, he seldom changes his servants, and as he is beloved by all about him, his servants never care for leaving him. By this means, his domesticks are all in years, and grown old with their master. You would take his valet de chambre for his brother. His butler is grey-headed. His groom is one of the gravest men that I have ever seen, and his coachman has the looks of a privy counsellor. You see, the goodness of the master, even in the old house-dog, and in a grey pad that is kept in the stable with great care and tenderness out of regard to his past services though he has been useless for several i could not but observe with a great deal of pleasure the joy that appeared in the countenance of these ancient domesticks upon my friend's arrival at his country seat some of them could not refrain from tears at the sight of their old master. Every one of them pressed forward to do something for him, and seemed discouraged if they were not employed. At the first time, the good old knight, with the mixture of the father and the master of the family, tempered the inquiries after his own affairs with several kind questions relating to themselves. This humanity and good nature engages everybody to him, so that when he is pleasant upon any of them, all his family are in good humor, and none so much as the person diverts himself with. On the contrary, if he coughs or betrays an infirmity of old age, it is easy for a stander-by to observe a secret concern in the looks of all his servants. 
my worthy friend has put me under the particular care butler who is a very prudent man and as well as the rest of his fellow-servants wonderfully desires of pleasing me because they have often heard their master talk of me as of his particular friend my chief companion when sir roger is diverting himself in the woods or the fields is a very vulnerable man who is ever with sir roger and has lived at his house in the nature of a chaplain above thirty years this gentleman is a person of good sense and some learning of a very regular life and obliging conversation he heartily loves sir roger and knows that he is very much in the old knight's esteem so that he lives in the family rather as a relation than a dependent i have observed in several papers that my friend sir roger admits all of his good qualities is something of an humorist and that his virtues as well as imperfections are as it were tinged by a certain extravagance which makes them particularly his and distinguishes them from those of other men this cast of mind as it is generally very innocent in itself so it renders a conversation highly agreeable and more delightful than the same degree of sense and virtue would appear in their common ordinary colours as i was walking with him last night he asked me how i liked the good old man whom i have just now mentioned and without staying for my answer told me that he was afraid of being insulted with latin and greek at his own table for which reason he desired a particular friend of his at the university to find him out a clergyman rather of plain sense that much learning of a good aspect a clear voice a sociable temper and if possible a man that understood a little of backgammon my friend says sir roger found me out this gentleman who besides the endowments required of him is they tell me a good scholar though he does not show it i have given him the parsonage of the parish and because i know his value have settled upon him a good annuity for life if he outlives me he shall find that he was higher in my esteem then perhaps he thinks so he has now been with me thirty years and though he does not know i have taken notice of it has never in all that time asked anything of me for himself though he is every day soliciting me for some thing in behalf of one or other of my tenants his parishioners there has not been a lawsuit in the parish since he has lived among them if any dispute arises they apply themselves to him for the decision and if they do not acquiesce in his judgment which i think never happened above once or twice at most they appeal to me 
at his first settling with me i made him a present of all the good sermons which have been printed in english and only begged him that every sunday he would pronounce one of them in the pulpit accordingly he has digested them into such a series that they follow one another naturally and make a continued system of practical divinity as sir roger was going on in his story the gentleman we were talking of came up to us and upon the knights asking him who preached to tomorrow for it was saturday night told us the bishop of st asap in the morning and dr south in the afternoon he then showed us his list of preachers for the year where i saw with a great deal of pleasure archbishop tillotson bishop saunderson dr barrow dr calamy with several living authors who have published discourses of practical divinity i knew sooner saw this vulnerable man in the pulpit but i very much approved of my friends insisting upon the qualifications of a good aspect and a clear voice for i was so charmed with the gracefulness of his figure of delivery as well as with the discourses he pronounced that i think never passed any time more to my satisfaction a sermon repeated after this manner is like the composition of a poet and the mouth of a graceful actor i could hardly wish that more of our country clergy would follow this example and instead of wasting their spirits in laborious compositions of their own would endeavour after a handsome elocution and all those other talents that are proper to enforce what has been penned by greater masters this would not only be more easy to themselves but more edifying to the people End of chapter one read by elijah fisher